Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. Sup? Also joining us this week, Lavender Gooms. I am really torn in what air fryer to get, guys. Oh, don't worry. We, th- we could do an entire podcast with air fryers. That's how much I know. Finally, joining us this week. This man has an air fryer, I think. Or at least he did. Kid presentable. I had a roommate who had an air fryer, and it's the thing I miss most about her moving out. Oh, Stefan, you got to get, uh, get the pennies together. Difficult to, they're difficult to clean, man. Oh, they you are. You fry some chicken, you will get some gunk in there that is really hard to clean. Exactly. If you're trying to just cook something that's already cooked, fried, you know, some mozzarella sticks, easy cleanup. You you try to actually cook, real problem. (laughs) I have to assume that it's very similar to other things you're cooking. You know, you just got to, you got to clean it before it gets dried up. No, no. Here's the issue, my friend. You got some, you got a nonstick coating, which isn't that good, quite frankly. And you got some shit just caked onto it. And you just got to get some hot water in there, let it soak. And then hope you don't scrape off the nonstick coating. I mean, and, and since since you opened the door, Mike, uh, my biggest fuck up with the air fryer was uh, one time I tried to make lumpia, and I cooked them so much that uh, you know those pirouette cookies. That's how dry it was. It was no. just a cracker. And that's uh, whatever meat was in there got completely dehydrated. Let's clarify for the audience: the food you weren't trying to cook your dog. That's fair. On this podcast, we refer to as uh, referred to Lumpia the dog many times. So in this specific area, yes, Lumpia the food. There was no there was no qualifier, so you know I'm not talking about the lady. You yeah, know, and she's fine. You'll probably hear her humping away at some point during this podcast. A I'm little sure, rabby tapping in the background. I'm sure that dog would be very delicious with the right seasoning. Thank you, Mike. Way to go, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to talk a little bit about MMA today. It's what we do. Um, but first off, I've given the man the title, Anderson the Avenger, because I'm real original, because Stefan was talking about the Avengers campus yesterday, so I had it on my mind. Anderson Silva, man, you know, these, these MMA fighters versus boxing fights haven't gone so well for us, you know, it's, but Anderson went out there in Mexico, went against the son of a Mexican legend, a former world champion boxer. A man who, no less than three years ago, was fighting Canelo Alvarez. But let me tell you, Canelo Alvarez was getting a big laugh at this fight. I felt like he was chuckling quite a bit. Anderson Silva went out there and didn't just beat... uh, I forgot his name already. Julio Cesar Chavez I about, Jr. I was about to say Juan Mel, Manuel Marquez. He's I'm only like, the right. son of the most famous I, boxer ever. Well, you know what? Boxer you ever. Know, I was about to say Juan Mel, Manuel Marquez. I'm like, no, that's the guy who did steroids to be Pacquiao. Um... Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Anderson took the clock back to whatever year it was he beat up Stefan Bonner. That's where the clock went, the time machine went back to. Hopped in that DeLorean. He was clowning him, hands down, doing the thing where he waves his arm around. Hit him with a shovel hook at one point. Woo, it was beautiful to see. I don't got a lot of analysis here, Mark. I was just happy to get for us to get one. 
we got one finally uh, yeah i mean it was just i mean when we talk about the recent stint of MMA fighters, you know, going into the foray of boxing, um, they've all been mismatches more or less. I mean, you look at Connor and Floyd, huge mismatch. You know, we can kid ourselves as much as we want. We saw the proof in the pudding. Uh, and then Logan Paul and Ben Askren was just a huge mismatch. And we knew that going in. This was a good fight because it was a good matchup. You know, I mean, Anderson Silva at 46 still has a lot left in the tank. Uh, I haven't really seen Chavez Jr. fight. I just knew that his father was very successful. And he was, my understanding was he's always been kind of me- mediocre. Like he never raised to the, the level that his father went, got to by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and in this fight, it was just, it was just a fun fight overall. You know, take, you know, what we know of Anderson Silva out of the equation. It was just a competitive match. And I think we can talk about, he, he definitely won that fight. Um, and but you know Chavez was in there. You know he landed some good shots. I think what was most surprising is just how well Anderson took the shots. Um, I think there's a lot of a lot of the clips have been the third round where he's baiting him in and telling him to come in the corner, and Chavez hits him right in the fucking face. Like he jabs him right in the face, and it's like yeah okay like it. But the thing was it never phased. There, there was never a point in this match where it looked like Anderson was seriously hurt. He didn't look like he got tired, which was really surprising. You know he went you know eight pretty hard rounds um and he did really well in the infighting too um something that a lot of his best weapons in mixed martial arts wasn't the clinch um, a muay thai clinch his knees were deadly that's where he got a lot of his victories early on so i think a lot of people thought you know when it got in close he was going to be a little hamstrung but like he stood right in the pocket and he threw a lot of uppercuts i i think what i would kind of point to to you know improvements you could make is going to the body a lot more there's a lot of head hunting there absolutely and, um i don't know if we're going to talk about Inua's fight here or i'm going to talk about it in stuff we like but you look at that guy's fights and yeah, there's a reason why stay tuned he's for, the rising stay, star stay tuned for stuff we like because Inua's body shot mark is that hurt me when he ended that fight i was watching i'm like oh Oh, I was like, I yeah. was like, I just like slumped over in my own chair. But we'll hold we'll, on to that thought for now. Yeah, we'll get into it. But that's something in his last fight, which was his first like fight in the U.S. Like he wasn't doing that at all, and I almost think he thought like, well, Americans want me to to dome this dude because that's all they know. And it was just weird, like seeing him not go to the liver in that fight. But he did in this fight, and he looked awesome. And we'll get into that. Later. Mike, I, you wanted so to chime wh- in here. Mm-hmm. I am not hearing enough dick riding for Anderson in this <laughs> podcast yet. All right. We need to hype our boy up. Let's forget about the fact that Julio Cesar Chavez is a man junior. whose record. Yes, junior. Yes. <laughs> um, let's let us forget the fact that he has a record that is built on a bunch of bums. All right. That forget boxing, that part. Forget that part. Here's the part we we really got to hold on to, all right? Anderson Silva, for the most part, is like our champion representative in the Mortal Kombat tournament, all right? And my man showed the fuck out. Let's, let's talk the stats right now. Let's talk the W right now. He beat a man who was the former WBC middleweight title. Do I know if that's a good title or not? Who the fuck knows? That's true. So all I know is that he beat a former boxing yeah, champion Mike, and how, a legitimate boxing yeah, promotion. But how I many? Think. How many? How many YouTube subscribers does that guy have? He ain't real. He ain't real. He's real. I saw him. <laughs> Stefan, um, he's there. For years, we heard about Anderson wants to box Roy Jones, and the UFC is like, yeah, we're not gonna do that. Um, let's. Have him box Roy Jones, I guess, right? I mean, he wants it. 
Well, I mean, I don't know else, what else to do with this old I man. Mean, I saw Roy Jones fight Mike Tyson. Yeah. He can fight Anderson Silva. Yeah. Like, Roy Jones is a, it's, you know, especially after that Tyson's fight, I'm like, it's appropriate now. Even without this Chavez fight, I could have been fine with Anderson doing that. Because, you know, it, it, when you're talking about the comparison of who has been boxing, and it's why, you know, you could even, I think Vitor Belfort has a boxing match come up. Like, I give him a little more respect because he was a very credible striker in MMA. Right. Yeah. Anderson was a credible striker. Yeah, the kicks were there, but like he always he had good hands too. Mm. You know, like just look at his like twenty hit combo on Chris Levin, right? Mm. He was a very complete martial artist. So and, and another thing that you would give you confidence, he is older, but like he wears damage pretty well, right? Um even in the fights that he took a beating in, he never got that cut up. He never got that bruised up. Um, you know, like he has been put out, like, you know, with the Weidman hook. But those were few and far between. It's very it's very rare that he ever ate such a clean shot that just completely took his lights out. So, you know, as long as he was fighting appropriate competition, I never had a problem with Anderson boxing. Okay. You know, there's a lot of other guys who want to dip their toes in boxing where, like, you have no business being here. I mean, in the bare-knuckle boxing world, Rachel Ostovich. Why is she boxing? She's never had striking as mm-hmm. part of her acumen at any stage of her fighting career, you know? So, like, Anderson doing it, yeah, you know, um, to quote our, our, our favorite who I, I vehemently picked against, you know, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. Like, yeah. Anderson, you know, fighting a guy like Chavez, right? You know, now you put him against a Paul brother. I'm going to be like, that's a mistake, Anderson. What are you doing? I saw but, the, one, the one Paul brother, um, Jake, said that he'd love if Anderson and... Um, Roy were the undercard of his fight with Woodley, which that's a fast turnaround in all seriousness. I think is that happening next month? Yeah, yeah. it's like in six weeks. That's not, that's not gonna happen. No, yeah. and, uh, and also, come on now, it's Anderson versus Roy Jones. That's that's hey. the main event, baby. Um, the, Vitor's fighting Oscar De La Hoya is what it is, right? How much bigger is Oscar so. De La Hoya? How much bigger is Vitor than Oscar De La Hoya? I don't mean I know Oscar Dolo is old and drunk, but like Oscar fought at like I gotta assume their weight is probably about the same now, but I also gotta assume Oscar's not really carrying good weight right did, now. Didn't Oscar catch a Pacquiao beatdown at one point at the end? Didn't that happen, yes, Steph? Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. Okay. Oscar was absolute that was one of Pacquiao's big highlights was how bad he murked it. So like was. I mean I'm saying like Oscar I think Oscar probably fought at like one fifty something, probably, most of the time. Vitor Okay, we know. Let's be honest. We know which version of Vitor showing up. That version of Vitor is not weighing less than 185 pounds. Okay. By Oscar's the way. Oscar's highest uh, weight division he fought at was that middleweight, which in boxing is 154 to 160. Yeah. No, okay. Geez. He's gonna be giving up some weight here, and you know, you know, if they fought. By the way, Anderson fought in Mexico. He didn't get tired, huh? Against you know. I mean, uh, I'm the picking Vitor. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the MMA swing in, in boxing is about to happen. By the way, was, was, it, was it in Mexico City? I don't think it was Mexico City. Was it? Because I've been pressed that. I don't, I don't believe it was. The main cause... event was a 60-year-old man boxing, which, oh, by the God. way, the main event, I'm marking your staff. Did you guys catch this at all? It was entertaining. No. Okay, they were wearing headgear. And then, like, it no, got a little... Okay. They started, then they started chirping. And then, in some straight WWE shit... Dude pulled off the headgear and said, no headgear. And the other guy pulled off the headgear. And then Canelo, who was ringside, got into the ring to calm the men down. And then they put the headgear back on because that's what the families wanted. 
That's, that's, that's that. what, it was some grandpa, don't do this to us grandpa don't it had it, it really did have that like oh man your two drunk uncles are fighting in the corner like vibes it was it was sad you know what the old man uh he didn't look bad all right well that's enough talk about the tribute to champions whatever the hell they called that thing um but go watch mm-hmm. anderson fight made me happy it was um, good. It was a fun fight. UFC had a card. Um, zombie versus Dan Ige. I guess, Marcus, you know, pick, moving along a little bit quicker here in this mm-hmm. thing. Um, zombie learned some uh, takedowns. First time in nine years, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a smart veteran move on his part. You know, I think Dan had a lot. I mean, in the stand-up, they were both getting shots off, but... It was pretty obvious once he was able to take it to the ground. He had he was superior there. He was able to control Ige. He was able to steal rounds away from him. Uh, for me, it really just seemed like a veteran performance on his part. You know, he had a younger guy who was a little bit quicker on the hands. And even though, you know, uh, Zombie got some good shots in the second round, but he knew that if he gets a takedown, he's going to be able to control. He got his back multiple times. He threatened with submissions, didn't get super close on any of them, but just just really smart ways to win rounds. And I think Ige came in strong in the fourth. I think it was either the third or the fourth. He had a pretty decent round. Uh, but overall, yeah, just a good performance by Zombie. Way to get back on the winning ways. And against a tough guy, you know, Dan Ige, he, he presented himself pretty well. He just couldn't figure out the puzzle in this one. Um, Steph, not that Zombie would say has bad fight IQ, but every now and then, man, you just do what you got to do, huh? At this stage in his career. Just got to get a W. Yeah, it was kind of interesting watching this fight just because, like, as such a longtime fan of him, I don't know how confident I feel going forward, even though it was a pretty clear decision. Like, he kind of, not that he ever super evolved, but, you know, I don't know how if you guys caught that when you were watching it, he kind of looked like an older version of himself where it was where the zombie moniker kind of name came from. Like, there was a point where when he was really surging where he just looked technically sharper he just looked a little bit more efficient in his movements. Um, there was something more plotting about his pace in this fight. Um, he won, so like I don't, I don't want to be hard on him, but basically, I'm worried that like he might, he might be regressing from being top flight competition, right? Like he's still, you know, can he, he's still like a high level like gatekeeper in the sense of are you ready for a title fight gatekeeper? But I'm not so confident in really picking against him him against any like maybe the other top well, this, five guys in the division this at this weight, point. This weight class is nuts. Like, I mean, honestly, all the weight classes about 135 to 170 is just a goddamn shark tank, every one of those divisions. And 125 is rapidly catching up in that part, too. Um I mean, I think coming out of it, like, even though I just said I'm not confident against him top five guys, I, I the, the fight coming out of this of what to do with him next, which I really agree with, is like, we should just make him versus Max Holloway in case we don't mm-hmm. get it otherwise, you know? Just in case someone loses and someone becomes champion and it's not right to make that fight. Just because, like, that fight needs to happen. What do we, I need to know what that outcome is. What did we lose? Max was going to fight somebody and it, had, it got pulled, right? That's what I was going to ask. I can't remember who was it. Was. was it Rodriguez? Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. there. You know, I'm good with that mm. one, too, actually. That's not bad. Um, somebody, so, called, like, some, somebody called the IR a, a pussy. If Ortega beats uh, Volkanovski in their upcoming title fight... Zombie doesn't really have a good case to fight Ortega right now. Yeah. Um, okay. Co-main event. I picked the polar bear. I didn't watch. Did he look like a polar bear? Anybody who saw this? <laughs> uh, I mean, he, he looked pretty good, but 
it was uh Olenek. It was it was a because when I I saw it after the fact and they were kind of saying like oh yeah was it Spovic what's it, what's the guy's name Polar like, Bear. Like, oh, yeah, like he mauled Alex, and I was like, "Oh, okay. I was like, okay, he got a beatdown." And it really wasn't that one-sided. Olenek took the first round, and mostly it was all grappling, right? He was able to get him down in the first round uh, and got in some some good positions. The second round, he pulled guard. It didn't go super hot for him until the very end of like the last thirty seconds. He reversed, got mount, went for a scarf choke, and almost got him. Like it was in fucking tight. Like that thing, another ten seconds, he could have won that fight. Third round, he really gassed out, and that's where uh, Spovic was able to turn on the heat. He got a bad cut, so there was a lot of blood everywhere, but it wasn't like I was expecting a fucking mullen. Like he just beat the shit Ma- Ma- out of Marcus. His, his name wasn't quite there. His name is the Polar Bear. They probably wrote that. Mm-hmm. Art. They wrote. They probably had that locked in before. That's true. Like- they probably had. Well, <laughs> we're gonna throw mauling into this one yeah. way or the other. It was a good performance. I don't want to take anything away from him. Uh, just going into it, I was like, okay, I, I expected a full beatdown, and like, no. Alex acquitted himself fairly well. He's just he's getting old, and that gas tank in the third just doesn't can't hold it. Um, but yeah, it was a decent fight. It was a good you know coming out party for uh, Spavik, but I'll keep an eye on him. But it wasn't anything while like oh yeah, this guy is title contention. Let's get him ready. Uh, he still needs some more rounds in there before I, I get on that train. You know, there's times where you watch some of these heavyweight fights and you feel like they're almost fighting in a different weight class than like the ones that Stipe and and Ganu and shit are fighting in. You know, in terms of the gap. Sometimes, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a little bit of that there. Um, all right, PFL time, people. That's what I'm here for. This is like we're, we're like this close to this being a PFL podcast. I'm working hard on it. Um, Rory McDonald, Glyson Tebow happened. Um, it was a weird situation where, based on the playoff formatting, the only way Glyson Tebow was going to make the playoffs was if he got a finish. By the end of the second round, and he didn't. So then that third round's happening, and you're like, well, this is just for fun. We're all fighting for just fighting for the win bonus here. And Rory pretty clearly won this fight two to one, except according to the people who were judging it. Bad decision there. But because Rory lost, um, he gets an easier opponent is what it weirdly works out to the way the structure works because the way it worked out, the structure of the point system. Someone who's, you know, he was, he's avoiding a bit of a tougher opponent, according to most people. Um, also on this card, Mark's favorite, uh, middleweight or favorite light heavyweight now, Chris Camozzi, got a big W. Um, good for him. Nice. Antonio Carlos Jr. versus Vinny Magalhaes ended in a no contest due to, uh, groin shot. Um, I go to that. Yeah. This week at PFL, um, we got the return of Kayla Harrison. So Kayla Harrison nice. is a minus 2,000 favorite. Mm. She is going to, here's the word, maul Cindy Dandois, which name sounds familiar, honestly. Did she, didn't Kayla Harrison just fight like a month ago? You might be thinking of, was it Shields? Who, who's the woman that was the boxer? No, I know Clarissa fought. Shields. No, 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 she fought like a month. No, like she fought pretty recently. She fought pretty but. recently. This is the PFL tournament. You fight a little bit. PFL season. You fight a little more recently. Gotcha. More, more often. Um, Cindy Danois had one UFC fight losing to Alexis Davis, actually. Um, she's going to get destroyed. And Kayla's going to uh, do her thing. We got Anthony Pettis on this card. We got Lance pa- Palmer. Um, people not, might not be familiar with him. He was really a guy you kind of expected to eventually get to the UFC. 
He was the World Series of Fighting champion for a while there. Team Alpha Male guy. But he always said that uh, if the UFC will pay me as much as uh, as much as the World Series of Fighting, now the PFL, you know, he'll go. But it sounds like he's happy making money in the PFL. So good for that, dude. Anyway, PFL. It's on Thursdays. Can, can I ask you a serious question, Bob? Yeah. I think I already know the answer. But, like, as an outsider view, when you talked about what happened in the Rory McDonald fight and the T-Bell fight, like, doesn't that... And I, I'm guessing in this, in the context of it trying to be more of like a sport, it doesn't really matter. But in the context of it being a combat sport, like having it, someone lose and then having him still potentially be like the champion seems weird in MMA, right? Because you lose an MMA and it's like, oh, you're you're down, like your ranking goes down. You have to work your way back up to have a structure where it's like, oh, he might lose two fights, but because he didn't lose so drastically, he's still the champion. Seems a little weird to me, but. Mike. However, however, dear Mark, this isn't, you know, normal fighting. As the thing says, it is the professional fighting league. And as we know with any league, you can lose you can lose during the regular well, season. But in the tournament, that's when it matters. Well, here's the thing. Um, Mark makes a good point. Um, and as do you, Mike. I think that what what I t- I've mentioned before, what I like about PFL is that they're really trying to be totally different from the UFC. Which I appreciate. And because um just being a shit, just being a lesser UFC is not a good business model to me. It's not going to draw people. Like, I would just watch UFC. Why would I watch something worse? Um, it reminds me most of soccer, where there's like, when you go to like the World Cup and there's the group, and you're like, all right, we got these four teams, they're going to play each other. And among this group, the ones who get the most, you know, you assign a value to a win, you assign a value to a draw in soccer, and then whoever has the most points at the end of this thing. Um, those, the top two will advance. It's really the same thing in the PFL where you're like, okay, we have these welterweights. They're all going to fight each other. We have the top, whatever, the four advance. And then at that point, it becomes a tournament. It is different though, very much from like most combat sports, Mark. So it's, it kind of takes some getting used to. And the way it was I worked out this time was the weird. appeal is for your average person. It kind of really tries to get you to watch like every week. I think that's really most of it. It's like they want you to watch every week. They're like, okay, you on Thursday, you watch PFL. It's a couple hours. You don't have to dedicate an entire fucking day to it. It's, you know, low stakes MMA watching. But it's just it's like it's just a TV show you watch every week is what it becomes. It's almost like a storyline you're watching, a story you're watching unfold. But they have a lot of stuff going. I mean, they have a lot of stats on the screen at once. I appreciate that. It's interesting. They're trying to do they have a good uh, commentary team in there with Kenny Florian. Um I'm a fan. Anyway, um, news. Mike, what's the news this week? It's really one story. Uh, yeah, actually, it is a pretty big story. Um, we actually alluded to it earlier. I did make a decision on an air fryer. Wait a second. That might not be what you're talking about. I think what no, you're talking about is, <laughs> oh, do you want to know about that? I, I can tell no, you. I was joking. No, because okay. if you do, I got to argue with you about which one you pick. So we've got to move on. <laughs> okay. So the news that you're referring to is that the most prominent MMA reporter uh, this side of anywhere, Ariel Helwani, has a new home um, after leaving ESPN last week. Yeah, Ariel's got five new homes. Um, he's returning to the MMA Hour. Which, if you are a new MMA, newer MMA fan, which is weird saying because that show was so around so long and you feel Ariel was only at ESPN for a hot minute, 
but it was over. It was three years. Um, MMA Hour was Ariel's show on MMA fighting, and he's returning there. And MMA Hour, despite its name, is going to be is a three or four hour interview show. Ariel, Ariel interviews a lot of the fighters that are fighting this week and um, any big newsmakers and such. Um, he's also, by the way, the return of Sean Al Shadi to MMA fighting as well. One of my favorite writers for MMA. Uh, probably my favorite writer after uh, Ben Folks. So MMA fighting after years of being kind of irrelevant, making a bit of a comeback with these moves. So it's nice. Um, next, what uh, what happened to Luke Thomas? Wasn't he doing the MMA hour? Luke He's on Showtime. Luke left MMA. Luke and Ariel don't like each other. There's a whole beef there. Anyway, um, but he went to Showtime, and Luke is my go-to for post-fight. Normally, he's really good at breaking it down. Mm-hmm. Um, technically. Ariel probably Ariel probably have interviews on his side, I imagine. Um, next, he's going to be on BT Sport, which is the home of the UFC in the United Kingdom and Ireland, which uh, people seem pretty excited about. People who you are um, used to, who are you, who are you know looking over there, kind of they feel like they're not getting the best MMA coverage, so they're excited that Ariel is going to be over there. Stefan called this one. He's going to have an exclusive podcast on the Ringer banner. It's under Green Room, I believe, is the name of the sub-platform of The Ringer, where Ariel's going to do pre-shows and post-shows live um, on The Ringer there, so it should be exciting. Um, yeah, that one's a big one. Like I said, I'm, I'm a very avid listener of The Ringer, um, and it's amazing. It's amazing what they can cover. Like They have Chef Dave Chang, so they talk about what's going on in recipes. They have... like. Emmy Award winning people to talk about politics and like social issues. Um, they got all the nerd stuff down pat, but of all the things they cover, sports included, they just don't have anything for MMA. You know, um, I cited when Dana White was on the Bill Simmons podcast like a month ago, like that was the most fluffiest, like generic, vague bullshit. But I do give props to Bill because when he brought up uh, Naganu versus John Jones, and Dana's like, "Well, they want a lot of money. John Jones wants twenty million, and <laughs> Bill Simmons was like, "Yeah, so give it to him. Like, <laughs> I don't know what the problem is. Get he wants twenty million, give him the twenty million. That was the one well, saving fighting. grace of that interview. Well, yeah. the, the, uh, um, also, oh, I, I'm not the way. I'm not clear which of the Ringer podcasts are exclusive to Spotify and which ones aren't. Because like, I have a I have a regular podcast app, and I watch. I was listening to the M, uh, the NBA show today that the Ringer puts on, and it was it was there. So I don't know. Just just to make sure the Ringer is Bill Simmons thing, right? Yeah, it is. All right. Um, all right. Um, he's launching a Substack newsletter, which is just his. Oh, it's gonna be his own thing. I'm not super familiar with that. I guess there's some paywall, or there can be, but he said that. If he gets behind a paywall, his plan is just to donate all the money to some charity that his uh, some like was it a, it was a brain cancer surgery uh, charity or something. And then finally, he's gonna do a YouTube channel. Gonna get those sweet sweet YouTube dollars so one day he can get into you know get into boxing and make some real money. Um, Ariel's YouTube channel is gonna be just for non MMA um, interviews and such, which I think it good for him to branch out and show that he can do non MMA interviews over there so yeah um i was listening to ben folks talk about this and steph he said it's probably good for ariel to maybe get a little farther away from the sun you know don't be at espn and they're friends and i get the impression ben knows stuff is just like espn probably doesn't want to piss off the ufc right now 
by having Ariel around. That's my assumption. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm whatever the politics are behind the scenes, I'm happy to see the man get work, right? Mm. When we would do our of the year awards, it was just called the Ariel Helwani Reporter of the mm. Year Award. Um, I've never understood his severe detractors. You know, everyone is worthy of criticisms and ways they can improve, but like the people who outright dislike Ariel, I have never remotely understood it. The one thing I did like was on when he was on ESPN though, I like when they randomly from time to time would go to Air Ariel Hawani for like, what do you think about what the Knicks are doing, huh? The Knicks are being <laughs> real stupid, Ariel. What do you think is how do you feel about that? And Ariel would just have so much passion when he uh, talked about his hurt as a Knicks fan. I will miss those random segments. Or like, oh, we're just talking to Ariel all of a sudden, even though he's not at the table, that's cool with me. I hope his first guest on the MMA hour is DC. Because I really, I, I DC and Helwani, I'm not sure if you guys caught it at all, was a really good show. It honestly was. They have really good chemistry. So, mm -hmm. nice to see him doing stuff. It seems like he's not, like, exclusive anywhere. He's just getting paid to do these jobs different places. Not that he's going to be writing articles and stuff on MMA fighting. I think he just does the MMA hour. So, it's really nice to see him, you know, flex his muscle a bit, do a bunch of jobs, I guess. Um... Anyway, that's really it. Um, let's make our pick for this one fight. Cyril Gon. I'm, I, I finally said it right. I, I stopped with the Gon. I think so. I'm going Cyril Gon. Cyril Gon taking on um, Alexander Volkov. Um, this one, we got some stuff happening here. We have number three versus number five um, here in the heavyweight division. Um Betting odds for this one, I believe, are leaning towards gone, if I'm not mistaken. Steph? Yeah, it's uh, decently close. Uh, gone at minus 175 to Alexander Volkov's plus 145. Um, Volkov is coming off of just beating Alistair Overeem out of the UFC. Just beating his ass all the way back to glory. Um, Cyril gone, last fight, went uh, five rounds with the biggie boy. Um, had one of those performances where he said, I wanted everybody to see I could go five rounds. Uh, Marcus, who's your pick? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be competitive and, and it, it is a close call. And I think the betting line is, is somewhat accurate. I am going with Alexander. Um, I'm just rooting more for the veteran to figure out some way to potentially get this to the ground. I, I think that's where he's going to be able to shine. If I, I don't think we've ever seen gone on the ground really so I, i'm going with the the guy with who has as many losses as this guy's has wins which is all his fights um but yeah that's it his first ufc win was by arm triangle his second was by heel hook oh, that's right he got weird submissions yeah. no, i'm still betting him getting grabbed. by the way it's kind of weird what like he is one guy is the veteran because gone has got only eight fights and volkov's got about 40 same age early 30s 131, mm -hmm. 132. So, Mike, who's your pick? Yeah, I'm going to be joining Mark on this one. I'm going to be going with Volkov. Stefan? So, I don't feel great about this pick, uh, but let's make it a little interesting. I mean, go, go with the favorite of Gone. Yeah. This, it's, it's not any strong, compelling about how the fight is going to go. Is This is why I'm doing it, guys. When the weigh-ins happen, when the countdown happens, you'll see two things. You will see a very in-shape man, and then you will see a slab of Russian potato that is Alexander Volkov, where he's very lumpy and solid, and then you'll see him next to the chiseled physique of a man, and you'll be like, 
why do I think this guy's going to win? Why did I talk myself into this solid hunk of potato over here? Anyway, is Volkov uh, he well, is... win, but uh, going wait on a Bobby's... Yeah, wait, is Volkov not a fat one? Why, is he... why are you fat shaming Volkov? He's a pretty he's good shape. He's not fat. I'm saying he's lumpy solid. He's not muscular. He's not jacked. In what he's world is Lumpy Solid not fat shaving? <laughs> That's not fat. He's like, who is Bobby? Who's your guy? Matsushenko? He wasn't fat, but there was not a single line. Of it's called having it. a real potato based diet. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Volkov it is. is he's not fat. He's not flabby, but there ain't no tone but in there either. You it, know? There's, only, there's only a few times when describing somebody's body as lumpy that it's a positive. When you're talking about a woman's boobs, butts, and a man's package. Please, no I'm one sorry. Call- Describing no, no, not- any of those things as lumpy sounds cancerous, and you should see a doctor. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't know when lumpy boobs and lumpy balls are a good thing, Mike. This podcast. I mean, is a wait, it's a lump. It's like, <laughs> oh, like, you know, you're, you're seeing them, like, you know, with some sweats on. It's like, S- that serious man question. has a big lump. You know, serious so question? it's a compliment. Is there butt cancer? There's cancer everywhere. You can get can, you can get yeah, cancer. I never heard of I never heard of butt cancer. It's called all colon can, cancer. All cancer is no, is mutated cells. But I meant like on the booty, control. not like in the inner workings, but just like like I'm a muscle. I'm sure there is a tumor in the flesh that is possible. Cancer is everywhere. Anyways, you're tracking from a point. Sergon is a very in shape man, and well, in the Biggie Boy fight, I banked on him. All them muscles getting tired. He went the five rounds just to be like, I'm good. I'm not tired. Your narrative is bad. Um, that's all what? I'm going on. Real Mike, superficial um, reasons. Very, I come from the Nikki Rajabi school of young black and jacked. That's fair. very, very quick, Mark. Uh, yes, there is a, a butt cancer. It's called okay. colorectal cancer. Okay. Okay. That's a better name because when I just think of butt cancer, I just have to laugh a little bit. It just seems it seems too silly to be true. Volkov's 33 wins. Oh, 22. oh no, wait. There's also an. There's also. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Bobby. This is very important. There's also an anal cancer, according to WebMD. Please continue, Bobby. Okay. 33 fights for Volkov. He's got 22 knockouts, only three submissions, eight decisions. I think we're going to be on our feet, boys. Honestly. I think we'll be on our feet. Um, Mike, are we tied again? Uh, I don't know. I have not done the updated rankings yet. I believe all of us went 2-1, though. So, no, you're still winning. What do you mean? I got two. I got the main event wrong. I picked Ige. Then we might be tied again. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna let Volkov and Gan decide who's gonna take the lead here because I'm taking Gan. I'm making nice. the bold choice of picking the favorite yet again this week. Did not pay off last week on any level. Um. All right. Um. I'm gonna be 100 percent honest with you, people. This podcast has started and stopped so many times. I have no concept of how long this episode is gonna be, but we're going to stuff we like right now. Um, stuff we like. Marcus, you want to talk about your boy with the body shots, which we have talked about already. <laughs> yeah, um, I was really surprised. Uh, every now and then I try to check in and see when he has a fight. I think it was like two months ago. Uh, in a way, I was checking on in a way and see if he had a fight. And I think he has some exhibition like at New Year's, but I didn't hear anything. So I was really surprised uh, come last Friday to find out that he had a fight on Saturday night um, on ESPN Plus, which was great because uh, when we had the the uh, zone, he fought on there and he had a spectacular fight. So I've been able to catch a lot of his fights recently, which has been really fun. Uh, this wasn't really a super competitive fight. Uh, his opponent just wasn't of the caliber that in a way is used to, has fought against and beaten. 
Uh, but it was a good coming out party for him again to kind of get him more introduced to the American audience. And I really, I mean, of course, once I looked it up on YouTube, I got a lot more recommendations of other videos about him. It seemed like this fight might have had a little bit more traction than his last one. But I really hope he does kind of catch on because outside of me just, you know, waxing poetic about him, like he's he's special. Like he's not just like a fun boxer. Like he's generational, I think, in my eyes. Like I don't think I've ever seen anyone that is as technically gifted as he is that hits as hard as this guy does. And you have to understand he fights at 118 and his record right now is 21 wins, no losses, 18 knockouts. 18 knockouts at 118 is fucking ridiculous. That is that does not make sense. If you're a heavyweight and you have 21 and 18, you're fucking Mike Tyson. This guy's at 118 and he's putting these guys away, you know, often within the first couple rounds. So if you haven't checked out his videos, I couldn't recommend enough to go look at YouTube and find them. And I can't remember. I'm trying to remember this guy's name. He fought in the World Series final. And I, I talked about it two years ago and it happened because it happened on my birthday. It was my big special birthday gift. And in a way, wrapped it up nice and gave me one of the best fucking boxing matches I've ever saw. Uh, Bobby, you're muted. Nanito Denar. Yeah, Denar. Oh, that's a, that's Denar. where I was going to come in is um, that's the fight that kind of got his name out there. Nonito Denari is uh he's basically the second most famous Filipino boxer mm -hmm. after Manny Pacquiao, and he was yeah. reigning in these divisions. Um, and that's that's cool. What I was wanted to chime in about him is it seems like he Des Marinas, who he defeated, is another Filipino boxer, and mm -hmm. Nonito was in the crowd, and all the mm -hmm. talk seems that this is gonna lead to a rematch for them because I guess Nonito has another belt at this, and this would be the if Inouye beats him again, he'll unify all the belts in this division. So it seems mm. like the uh, natural thing, but um, just kind of that storyline, it does give him another big name. That'll be one of the biggest names he can fight in this division. So um, yeah, it, it, in terms of you saying you want him to have a launching platform, uh, that potential rematch could really do it. Yeah, because that first fight was an instant classic, and that's the kind of fight you want a young fighter to have against a strong veteran who really fucking tested him he pushed him to the limit he broke his orbital early in the fight he had a nasty cut and you really got to see does in a way have heart can he come back from getting beaten and battered and win a fight and he fucking did he dropped um god i already forgot his name <laughs> no don't no need no need yeah he dropped him with a liver shot and yeah and just watching this fight this was a three-round masterpiece this was master class um fighting a southpaw I mean, he showed stuff that I didn't really know. Like, instead of fighting against, you know, using your your rear hand, he used his front hand to, you know, he used the hook really well to the head to get him circling away from his his weak side into his strong side, and then he set up everything to to hit that uh that liver shot. And I mean, if anyone's a long listener of the show, you know how much I love body shots and guys going to the body and working the body and making that a a pillar of your offense. I think is so crucial. And in no way, like that's that's bread and butter. Like if he doesn't go to the body, he's he's not working with his full tool set. To to see him really at work uh, this past Saturday was awesome. You know, it was just a shame that we only got to see three rounds of him just completely flexing on this guy. And you know, if they have a rematch, I think that'd be great. I hope it gets. You he know, I really just think he needs to this get the this exposure. Wasn't just of, plus. This wasn't just huh? plus. 
This wasn't just Plus. I think he was on ES proper ESPN. I think so. It was on top. Rank, it was definitely on TV. I think is, yeah. Either ESPN or ESPN two. He was on I, I hope, actual I hope TV. It, you know, I hope it tracks. I hope he gets the traction that he deserves because he he deserves it. He he is phenomenal. You know, and I hope he keeps winning and we can see this guy grow and progress because uh, he he's really a treat to watch. Um, just to round out, uh, actually a couple games this week that I'm actually interested in. I'm actually going to buy and play. And the first one I just saw a review on IGN that was not very good, but I'm still excited. Um, Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance is actually coming out to actually, guys, when you guys are listening to this, it came out. Uh, it's a four player hack and slash, um, kind of hack and slash loot shooter type of game. Uh, and from my heard, it's kind of buggy, a little repetitive, but I'm really excited to kind of get in there, uh, and play. And I got a couple people that are getting it too. So I'll have a little squad. Uh, and then on oh, wait, Friday, wait, wait. So, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm sorry mm-hmm. to interrupt mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. but I'm actually, I might actually get that game as well, just because of the trailer. Um, the trailer. One of my, fantastic. one of my favorite um, writers is a guy named Ari Salvatore. He writes a lot of novels for um, Wizards of the Coast, but particularly the Forgotten Realms. Particularly, he's most famous for Dritz Duerden, a mm-hmm. uh, drow. Uh, Drow Ranger and the uh, trailer for Dark Alliance. It's um, basically the, the companions of the hall, uh, Dritz, Wolfgar, Bruner, and Caterbury fighting an ice dragon. Um, do you know exact? Is he in the game or were they just yeah, using him? No, he's, those are the four playable characters. So Dritz is one of the main play. And I, I know of Dritz and I know of um, R.A. Salvatone, and he wrote so many novels with that character. Um, that character is probably the most you know, iconic in, in Dungeons and Dragons easily. Uh, from what I heard, like the story is not really much <sighs> there, but I think if you, you know, if, if you kind of like that stuff, it might be fun to, to, to mess around in that guy's shoes from, I mean, really I'll have more analysis when I actually play it, but a lot of the reviews I read is that, you know, the game's kind of repetitive, which these games can kind of tend to be. Um, and there's really not much story wise, which is a shame because like you said, Mike, like, there have been really interesting stories written about these characters in this realm in the Dungeons and Dragons lore. And it doesn't seem like they're pulling a ton from that. Uh, it does seem like most of the marketing is just like, this is a fun hack and slash kind of game to play with your friends. And I would recommend the trailer Mike was talking about was the launch trailer that, that just came out. And they actually had a gameplay trailer that was narrated by um, Jermaine Klemps, who's in or writes for what we do in the shadows, fly to the Concords, And you know, comedy can hit or miss, and I think it landed more often than not in that trailer. And that's kind of one of the things I was like, you know what, this seems like it might be kind of a fun game. So I would, you know, I- I'm going to check it out. If you're interested, you can always wait until next week, and I'll give you my verdict. Uh, on Friday, another uh, Mario sports game is coming out, and I'm actually really excited. Mario Golf is coming out, and this is done from the sh- uh, Slow Claps developer who makes what used to be called Hot Shots Golf, which is now called Everyone Loves Golf, which is the Japanese name. And I've always just loved that developer. I'm not a huge, like, golf. It, the actual sport of golf, I couldn't give two shits about. Video game golf, I'm very interested in. I've liked a lot of video game golf games, including the Hot Shots, Everyone Loves Golf. Um, Mario Golf has been great. And on the Neo Geo, they have uh, Turf Masters, which is also another awesome golf game. So I'm really looking forward to that. So yeah, that's what I got. Staff, what do you got this week? A little bit of everything. Um, on the TV front, uh, one of my early kind of treasure discoveries came back for the second season of his sitcom. Um, I'm talking about comedic rapper Lil Dicky show Dave. Um, they dropped the first two episodes on Hulu, uh, which I checked out. Uneven. 
uh, very uneven is my early reviews. Uh, I, I found especially the season premiere to be a bit cringy in a... I don't know if they're in on the joke or if the joke is just a little bad taste. It, it, it was that kind of feeling on the episode. But, um, you know, Mark checked out the first season before I had a chance to. Um, and that was several episodes in. And, you know, he, Mark was the one who kind of encouraged me that it got better as it went. They got into a better rhythm. So might just be a little sophomore slump. Obviously, I'm going to stick with it since uh, Lil Tiki has been my guy since I discovered him in a random Reddit thread several years ago. Um, on top of that, uh, on the on the anime weeb front, uh, we're coming up on the season finale of Ijiranaide Nagatoro-san. Um, this has happened with a handful of other anime. Uh, I got so into it that like I can't wait for these things. I'm going to consume and read the manga. And I've been reading that manga, and it is the most adorable, wholesome shit that I have read in a very long time. And my man Mike over here, he watched the first episode too much of a coward just because the girl was so mean and bullied the kid into crying. And Mike says, this is too mean. I can't watch this. Stick I, with I, the bully girl, Mike. I, Stick with the bully girl. I ended up watching two more episodes of it. It, it wasn't my cup of tea. Well, it, it got really good. I'm enjoying the hell out of it, um, reading it. It's just a series of short stories, which makes it really digestible as a manga. Is Every chapter is really only three or four pages. There's just little slice of life interactions, um, and I can find that stuff really charming. Uh, but big thing I would say I'm got excited this week is uh, funny enough, uh, me and Mark have watched a handful of the same videos. Shout outs to the YouTube channel Ordinary Adventures. Um, mm -hmm. There are a couple who kind of just do ordinary adventures and they review them. And in this case, um, why it applies to me is they were reviewing the Avengers Campus, which I will be going to this Friday for the first time. Um, since it just opened maybe just a few weeks ago. Um, that's the new kind of Avengers land over at California Adventure, part of the Disneyland experience. Going to do Star Wars Galaxy at that. The key video I honed in on was, you know, I don't really care about rides this much at this age. Um, I don't necessarily need to take photos of math up, but what I do want to know about is how do, how, how do all the drinks and the food items review? Um, and there is so much good looking stuff like, uh, I'm really looking forward to the Terran Treat Guardians of the Galaxy desserts. I got, uh, it's the green time stone, but it's a pineapple churro that's rolled up. They have like a, it's like a black orb pastry, which is meant to be like the power stone that uh, Star-Lord gets in, in the first Guardians of the Galaxy. With inside, it's, it's a cream puff, so it has like raspberry cheesecake cream filling to simulate the purple power stone. Um, so just tons of like, things like that. There's a whole Ant-Man, Dr. Pim Labs restaurant with various like alcoholic beverages and like food items. There's breakfast menus. I'm just going to get real fat, spend a lot of money. Um, Mark told me, what do you want me to pick you up? There's a, a Thor mug that looks like a Mjolnir or something. Yeah, that one looked cool. I did. It wasn't them, but there was some other video where some dude walked around and looked at all the merchandise and there's a lot of cool looking shit there. So I wouldn't be surprised if you lay down some bucks. If you get me a Mjolnir mug, I'll definitely pay you back on PayPal. <laughs> Or, yeah, you know, thing we use, whatever. <laughs> when, I, when I'm shopping around, you know, whenever I see exclusive and all that, I'll, I'll throw some pictures in our chat group. Um, if you see anything with Squirrel Girl, you just buy it and I'll pay whatever it is. <laughs> There's not going to be any, but if there is, there'll be some some girl who will be cosplaying as Squirrel Girl. You know, she's coming. She's coming. Wait, did did that show get canceled? Did they never. Mm -hmm. It was announced, yeah. but then it never came around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so you'll get my reviews on all that on the next episode if I'm back. I don't know if I'll be back, actually. 
But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing theme parks. It's not quite the small capacity we thought when we bought our tickets. Um, unfortunately, the downside to society reopening is uh, they remove mandates and suddenly the society part the of capacity people. is, you know, like I really was hoping to just go to the park with like five people. You know, I wanted to do the build a lightsaber experience and be the only one there. I want them to really talk to me personally when we're talking about forging my lightsaber in a, what's it called? Star Wars Galaxy, I think that land is called. Um, but yeah, um, haven't been outside to do anything like this in a long time period. So um, hopefully it's more fun than anxiety ridden, but uh, we shall see. Mike, what about you? Uh, yeah, two things for me this week, uh, two movies. One of them is the new Kevin Hart movie that premiered on Netflix last week, Fatherhood. It is a dramatic turn for um, for the famous comedian, and it's it's pretty good. It's um, Kevin Hart. He plays a guy who his wife dies um, during childbirth, and it's uh, basically a story of, of him being a, a single dad and, and finding love and you know navigating you know um, you know being a single single father and introducing you know a new woman into his uh, into his daughter's life. Um, so if you have a moment, um, well, or an hour or two. I would watch Fatherhood. It's a pretty good movie. Uh, the other movie that I wanted to talk about last week, but the uh, 10 milligrams of melatonin really put a fucking stop to that last week. Uh, may I just say, I was knocked the fuck out right after that podcast was over last week. Um, was uh, in the Mike, Heights. you were knocked the fuck out during that podcast last week. I, I honestly... Um, I kind of don't even remember the end of the podcast like it, like if you were trying to like ask me hey what happened I'm like i don't know um but i was pretty loopy um but i didn't want to talk about in the heights last week in in that state as you can imagine how i didn't want to do the podcast at that point man. yeah i really misjudged that anyway um as those of you know i am from new york city while the rest of the guys are from san francisco but specifically i am from washington heights um where the aforementioned movie is, is located and before i went and watched the movie my uh, my friend claudio had actually sent me a text um he's also a dominican from the heights and his his text was this is the greatest movie I've ever seen. Seth Barlow. Did I think he might be a little biased? I for sure thought that. And did I think I'm probably going to be very biased with my critiques of this movie? Yeah. I mean, th there's no other way it, it, it couldn't. Like, it, it wouldn't happen. Um, and as probably stupidly, I went and watched this movie on a date. Um, completely forgetting the fact that I'm a bit of a crier in movies. Um, so normally when it's a movie, I know things might get a little emotional for your boy. I try to watch those movies on my own. I'm an idiot because I basically spent a large portion of this movie tried not to cry because this movie had me so emotional. Um, it, it, it touched me in a way that I have to assume it, it touched my friend Claudio as well. Um, 
I think for anyone who comes from that type of neighborhood, um, and you don't specifically have to be from Washington Heights, but having <laughs> it literally being from, you know, a neighborhood that I grew up in and I've seen those streets, um, it, it really did touch a, a, a large chord with me. Um, I felt like I could relate to a lot of the characters in, in the movie um, and a lot of the different things that were going on with them. Um, for example, uh, Nina Rosario's character in the movie, she's a person who's just coming back from Stanford after a year away. And, you know, she's having feelings of um, she doesn't quite she doesn't fit in at all um, at the Stanford uh, atmosphere. She she feels a bit like a sellout, you know, with uh, all of the white people that she's around. And, you know, she feels like she, she feels a lot of pressure um, being the one that, you know, quote unquote, made it out from her area. And, you know, what is, you know, the parameters for her success as a what is it for her to be successful? And she feels, you know, like a failure in a lot of ways. And I'm not going to say I feel exactly that, but um, there's a lot bigger majority of people that. I guess, quote unquote, don't make it out of the heights, then make it out, if, if you want to put it that way, in terms of upward mobility. And that was definitely something I, I thought about in the movie. Um, another part uh, was um, when one of the characters passes away, you know, it just makes you think of loved ones that you've lost. And it also helped the fact that uh, it helped the emotional levels of it that the mo her, her whole scene happens in the the 191st Street Tunnel, and it's 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 basically like a landmark in Washington Heights for for the three of you that have not been there. Um, and a little on the nose, she's dying, and she's you know walking into the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, Did but, you take me to Washington Heights? Wait, wait. Do you took me to Washington Heights? We're in I your took you to house. Washington. I took you to Washington Heights, but I took you to Washington Heights on about 170 but, but, but i've been to washington heights washington. that's the relevant so part that's here. a very different part of washington heights okay fair enough actually i don't know if i don't know if you've watched the movie yet bobby but there's you haven't like well yeah i gave y'all homework last week and none of y'all did it mm, what friend what friends wait anyway, wait till you get to wait till you get to my stuff i like you're gonna re understand why there is a scene actually um in the movie where uh, they're in a park and it's right in front of uh like that's a park that is right in front of the apartment building where i took you at uh bobby um another note of a couple of friends of mine got uh, arrested for uh smoking weed in that park um on numerous occasions uh but really love the movie um i won't tell you that i didn't cry a little in front of uh what would i've been on two dates with um Mike, there let hasn't your been flag a third. fly, Mike. Let your there, flag fly. There has not been a third. I don't know if that's why or not, but you know what? If that's the reason why there isn't a third, it was well worth it. Good that riddance. movie was incredible. I agreed with my friend Claudio. It is the greatest movie ever. I don't care if I'm being biased. Fight me. Go watch in the That's heights. awesome, Mike. Have you paid attention? To any I'm not trying to rain in your parade, but have you paid attention to any of the controversy and stuff? People would have this movie? Yeah. Um... And I actually spoke with my uh, with my nephew about that earlier um, earlier to earlier today. And when it comes to that, um, well, you might want to explain what that is. 
actually. Since actually, I just... <laughs> that's that's actually a, a good point. Um, so what Bobby is referring to is that a lot of uh, a lot of Latin people um, had an issue that um, the principal cast of In the Heights, outside of Benny, who's played by the guy who um, who played a Dr. Dre in Straight Outta Compton, um, no one else was of dark skin. Um, from the principal cast of In the Heights. And there's no real kudos for Benny being black because Benny is black in, in, the, in, in the play. Um, so all of the other characters who are of uh, Hispanic descent um, in In the Heights, they're all basically lighter-skinned Hispanics. And Mark has a look in his face like, I'm not exactly sure what the controversy is here. Here's what it is. Oh, come on, I'm not. I'm not that dense. I'm just. I'm, oh, I, no, I didn't know I'm, this. I'm, I haven't been listening to the. Uh, no, no, the no, controversy. no. It's, it's not about you being dense. Too many J Lo's, not enough Michael Sanchez's. All right, that's what they're saying. Too many J Lo's, not enough Michael Sanchez's. <laughs> Too many J Lo's, not enough uh, Tito Trinidad's. Um, let, let's put it that way. Let, let's keep it with the you know theme of Puerto Ricans. If you're saying J Lo's, um, but the big issue with that when I was watching the movie and. If there is one, I guess, the merit in the movie is that, is that I thought, man, I lived in Washington Heights for the first 20 years of my life. Um, why is it everyone here? Is, why is everyone in this cast outside of Benny passing the paper bag test? Um, that is a bit of an issue. Um some of the other things where um, it was a very eclectic mix of Latinos that were um, in, in the Heights, like there were Mexicans, there were Hondurians, there were Puerto Ricans, Dominicans. And I'm not saying that all of those uh, ethnicities are not in the Heights, but it's pre predominantly a Dominican population. Um, but going back to what Bobby was saying about the, the, the colorism, I guess, is people just had an issue with the fact that no one in the principal cast um, was, you know, represented uh, black Latinos. And for me personally, I didn't have an issue with it more just because I am very used to Spanish programming, um, i.e. like novelas from Univision and Telemundo, not having any black people in them. Um, you would think people in Mexico are all super, super white if you were ever to watch any novela on Univision. Um, because there ain't no, there ain't no colored people on TV, um, um, a lot of times. So for me, it was, I was used to it, but I do applaud, uh, you know, I guess younger Latin people that, you know, really did make us think about it. Um, because, you know, that's the only way things will change, um, if if not for that, it'll just continue to, to to you know the status quo will continue. So I'm very happy that people aren't as beaten down and just resigned to the fact as, as I was and made us think about it. But besides that, I really loved In the Heights. Um, it is it is a great musical. Um, even if you're not from an inner city, and even if you're not from an inner city that is predominantly Dominicans. Man, times have changed. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm Iranian. I'm just happy when we're not playing terrorists or, or we're not played by Jake Gyllenhaal. I mean, and, that's, those are my and, standards when they put us in a movie. <laughs> and you know, part partly, I'm thinking, you know what? I understand what uh, the what I guess what some of the outrages. But guys, how many other movies is it where it's 
basically a predominantly Latin cast. Like, come on, guys, Let, let's 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 get some babies. Well, I'm sure, babies. honestly, it's also they recognize like this is an opportunity that was missed. That's part of it too. Where yeah, this would have been this, this would have been one where they could have done whatever they wanted. There wasn't like they were like, oh, like this movie had such a hype around it, and the uh, the play had won all these Tonys, and there was all this stuff behind it. People oh, were probably disappointed you didn't go for me, it, right? Let me tell you something. I like. The, the the comments at, uh, on my Instagram from you know people that are from that neighborhood people are pissed, and I I understand their anger, but then at the same time it's yo let, let's take this shit in steps, guys. I'm going to yeah, my Instagram think, when this podcast um, is over. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Mark. I was just gonna say like the conversation is always good to have, but you don't want it to dominate because i mean and i'm not super interested in the film because i'm just not big into to musicals in general like i haven't seen hamilton or uh book of mormon or any of that stuff it doesn't really interest me but you know to have something touch mike who grew up there so much like you don't want the conversation to get so muddled in it not being diverse enough that it it draws people away from experiencing it because you know maybe they'll have the same experience like mike did which is i think is really awesome you know i don't think there's a lot of media out there whether it's film television books comic books whatever you consume that touches you in that way that makes it feel so personal like someone's telling your story um i think that's really impactful and you know i just hope that other people that might be in a similar situation as mike that would really get a lot out of this film don't just hear the negativity about it not being diverse enough and then they don't want to support the film for that reasons um you know i just it's great to have the conversation and like mike said it's good people are making us think about it and bringing awareness to it because that is how things change and at the same time, like we have been seeing less things whitewashed, but you know, I, I just don't want people to not experience it because the you know diversity no. thing isn't as you know dense as they wanted it. Steph, you have something to say? Yeah, I was going to chime in on you know the cultural conversation of it all. Um, you know, something which is both there's a good and a bad to it. Where I say like our generation and then kind of the generation coming up on our heels with activism is I think a lot of us, our mindset where we're, you said beaten down by it, right? I think there's a lot of us who really understand the idea. You got to walk before you can run, you know, but um, God bless the souls of like, you know, my niece and nephew's generation. They want to come out firing, right? They want to come out shot out of the cannon. Everything should yeah. just be correct right from the start. Why should I deal with any bullshit? You know, um, so where I like to treat it, Bob, this is how we used to talk about uh, Bay Area rap music, right? When I'm in Oregon, this shit is perfect. It's flawless. I love yep. it. When I'm in the Bay Area talking to other Bay Area heads, <laughs> I give you all my criticisms. I yeah. give you all my critiques. This guy is trash. He's not even in the rotation. But when I'm outside <laughs> of my community, now we, we you know, we got we to gotta enjoy the victory. That the moment that like that I'm in white Portland, Oregon, and I'm hearing Mac Dre on the radio. Let me just oh, celebrate sure. that it's even happening, that yeah. this audience is being reached, you know? You, Absolutely. Um, so you guys do the same thing I do with Dipset. Um, outside of New York City, I will defend Dipset to, to my death. But to my friends back home, I tell them Dipset is garbage music. Cameron is a fraud and Joel Santana fucking sucks. Now, just one question for you guys. Um, I just waxed poetic about a musical from my hometown. So I have a question. If hypothetically one day the musical Diggin' Danville um, ever comes to a theater near us, uh, what would be the composition of that principal cast? Would it, uh, what, what are we 85% white, 10% Asian, 5% the rest. 
That's your cast. You want to look at the demographics? Or honestly, Asian might be closer to fifteen percent now. Then, um, then yeah. now it's because uh, I I, st- I live in Santa Monica. Like the Indian population is it's very large. Yeah. yeah, which is I, getting, mean, I think it's great. You know, yeah, we're getting a lot of South Asians um, in Danville and Santa Monica mm-hmm. area. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was it was right. a Ritz cracker box box back when we were growing up. Like, was... <laughs> I just remember you could count all the black kids in high school on one hand. Okay, um, all right, um, stuff we like real quickly. I I'm just watching King of the Hill. I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I'm watching King of the Hill, um, and I'm gonna just say this: Bobby Hill. That's my purse. Bobby, that is the most quoted line from Bobby Hill, period. It has breached a cultural lexicon, okay? But Bobby Hill is seriously a, like, a incredible character. I relate to this little boy so much, okay? <laughs> there's this, uh, uh this, this voice is hilarious. And like, there's this one scene where like Hank and Peggy are arguing over, you know, who knows better. And they're trying to flip some pancakes. And they're trying to flip these pancakes and like they're arguing. And then Bobby just goes, please be careful with my pancakes. And I was laughing for 10 minutes at that line <laughs> just because of his voice. Um, It's Pamela Adlon, actually, the voice of yeah. Bobby Hill. Mm-hmm. She's She had that show on FX, uh, Better Now, I think it was called. I'm not sure if it still exists. And then um, she also played uh, Marcy on what was the name of the show with Duchovny? Uh, Californication. She was yeah. on that for years. God, he, it's the show is also a good show. You understand why I was on the air for like twelve fucking years? But Bobby Hill's the fucking best. I love Bobby Hill. I get myself a Bobby Hill poster and put it up on the wall here. Okay, he's the he's the man. <laughs> Great self defense tips too. That's only that's a season six. I'm not even there yet. I'm in the middle of season three right now. <laughs> um, that's all we got this week. Um, thank you all for listening to the podcast. Next week, uh, we might just be a three-man booth here. We'll see what uh, if Stefan makes it back in time. Um, I don't think we're going to have much to pick because I think there's going to be a gap here. We're going to have no cards for uh, for a week there. UFC is yeah. not running 4th of July. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if Bellator's got a card or if PFL's got a card or maybe if one is busting out. I saw some noise with Eddie Alvarez and Christian Lee talking some shit. We'll Christian fill Lee's an like, hour. Yeah. Don't worry. Christian we'll Lee, fill an hour. <laughs> Christian Lee's like, Eddie Alvarez has done nothing to deserve a title shot. I'm like, I'll be honest. I'm barely paying attention to one, but I agree with this kid. Didn't Eddie, <laughs> Eddie, Eddie Alvarez lose his last fight? I think he, I think they got him another fight after. I'm not sure what happened in that one, but he definitely lost the one before that for a bunch <laughs> of illegal strikes. Didn't, didn't he lose the first fight ever on one for on CNC? Now, yeah. We, we, yeah. You and me really tried, Mike. Though. Disqualification, It's different. Yeah. Really? Okay, guys. Um, thank you all for listening. Um, we really appreciate it. We'll be back next week. Um, you should watch In the Heights. Um, and if you want, you're in LA, go see stuff on at Disneyland. So, see y'all next week. Peace out. Here in LA, leave me the F Stand twelve feet away. <laughs> <laughs> see ya. That's my purse. I don't know you. This is the this is now. We just talk over that music. So people get a real fucking full experience here, like a real studio show.